You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. No, I'm, I'm really excited y'all are here today. I'm excited to be in the house, get to bring the message. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Keith. I am the campus pastor in Lubbock and uh, am so happy, kind of a part of our teaching team. And uh, it's really, really good just to be back in Midland. It's been a while um, in this, this last season. Hadn't got to get down here as much as I wanted to. It's kind of how the schedule has worked out. Uh, but super, super uh, happy just to be with you today. Before we get into the message, though, um, I want to uh, kind of share a quick announcement. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but we got some cool merch going on right now. Anybody notice that? Raise your hand if you bought some merch. I want to know the people who are really saved in here today. Okay, awesome. Y'all mind if I do a quick little 360 spin? Because you could own one of these. I'm just saying, this hoodie's bad, all right? And you might be out there and you might be thinking, I can't pull that off. Yes, you can, number one. You want to know how you can pull it off? You just act like you're pulling it off. That's all style is, right? And you just wear it and you just own it. You know what I mean? So no, really, I want to encourage you, go grab some merch. I think it'd make a great Christmas gift. We kind of want to um, just spread the love and, and, uh, and bless you with representing RLC. And so uh, I got to look like a youth pastor today and wear my camo pants and my hoodie. I would have dressed up for you, but I had to, I had to, I had to do this announcement. I'm not mad about wearing a hoodie to church. Come on, somebody, right? Like, it doesn't get any better, any better than that. But, hey, open your Bible to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're just going to dive in and just see what the Lord wants to do and what he wants to say today. I'm really excited about kind of what he's releasing and uh, this message and what it will bring to your life and uh, and how it will bless you. It's the, the service is going to start off, the message is going to start off extremely encouraging. Are you ready? James 1, verse 2. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You feel encouraged? Don't you love when the pastor starts off with this scripture? You have trials of many kinds, don't we? We all do. And James says in Chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you've ever been through a trial and your faith has been tested, raise your hand. Anybody ever been through a trial where your faith is tested? Now keep your hand up for a moment. Keep your hand up if it was fun. Keep your hand up if you enjoyed it. Has anyone ever experienced what James would call pure joy in the middle of their trial? I don't know if you're like me, but when I read this scripture, the first thing that I think is, how about no? Consider it pure joy 
whenever you face trials of many kinds. Joy is the last thing on my mind when I'm in a trial. Joy is the last thing on my mind whenever my faith is being tested. Anybody else? I mean, let's just be real. This scripture is really difficult to accomplish. It's already just hard to read in general, much less when you're actually going through a trial. Anybody ever read this scripture when you're in the middle of a trial? It's not what you want to hear, is it? Like, I'll give you an example. Can you imagine if you're in the middle of your junk and you're in the middle of your mess and your faith is being tested and you have a good old Christian brother come alongside you, pat you on the shoulder and say, you know what you should do? You should just consider this pure joy. (laughs) I know what you'll think. I want you to consider something. My fist in your face. (laughs) That would actually be the thing that brings me joy. This, it's not something that we want to hear. It's also something that we are not natural, it's not a natural disposition to move into joy in the midst of all hell breaking loose. You know what else it isn't? It's not a gift that some people carry in the body of Christ. There There are not some people who have a gift of being joyful in the midst of trials. It's not a spiritual gift. And yet God breathed it into scripture. And yet God, through the hand of James, said, write this down. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. The point that I'm making is that what seems impossible is possible with God. See, I've learned this about God and I've learned this about scripture. He will never tell us to do something that we are not able to do. He will never ask us to live a life that we're actually not um, given the ability to live. In other words, he would not say, consider it pure joy when you're in trials if he didn't want us to consider it joy and he didn't want us to experience joy in the middle of the testing of our faith. Can I just bring you the truth today? There's a way to experience joy in the middle of your trial. That's the truth. It's actually possible for us to find joy whenever we're going through the things that we cannot stand. You know, I'll be, I'll be really, really honest with you, and I'm not disrespecting Scripture. But I read this Scripture, it says, count it pure joy. And then it's, it's, it's as if, um, you know, James tries to give us some motivation for going through the trial. And he's like, man, if you'll go through the trial and the testing of your faith, it will give you perseverance and you'll be mature. And I'm kind of like, still not good enough. (laughs) I'd rather just not go through the trial. I'd rather stay immature. Because we don't like pain, do we? Oh, but there is a reward when we actually learn how to function and live in the kingdom like he's called us to live. He's called us to experience impossible things. And this actually is one of them. So today I want to talk to you about how to find joy in the midst of your trial. And here, here's why, before we, we, we jump into this, here's why this is important. If you're gonna write anything down today, this is what I want you to write down. Here's why you should listen to this message. Here's why it matters. 
because it's the joy that you find in the midst of your trial that will produce the strength you'll need to endure it. It's the joy that you find in the midst of your trial that will give you the strength that you need to endure it. We all know the scripture, the joy of the Lord is our, the strongest people are the, mo- are, are the most joyful people. And it's in the trial when we can find pure joy, when we learn how to find pure joy, it literally goes, oh, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Boom, here's the strength to actually endure it before you see the answer. Here's the strength that you need. Come on, am I preaching to anybody? Is this making sense? This is the strength that you need while your faith is being tested. And so I want to title the message, Finding Joy When There Is None. Finding Joy When There Is None. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we, yeah, Lord, I just take over this atmosphere right now. And I just thank you that your word is released and any hindrances, any oppression, any um, uh, depression, anything that might be in the way today, I just come against it in the name of Jesus. And we break that off of people in this atmosphere. And I thank you that your word gets through. I want you just to kind of put your hands out just just to offer God up your heart. Lord, we offer our heart to you today. We say you have good soil for your word to land on. And may it produce 30, 60, and 100 fold in our life. That it would change our mind if it needs to be changed. It would change our heart if it needs to be changed. Lord, we are followers of you, disciples of you. And so we ask you to disciple us through your word today. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. 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 I want to invite you kind of into me and my wife's world right now as we speak. And invite you into a, a trial that we're going through right now. There is, there is a, a testing of our faith, so to speak. Um, you see, we have these three little humans that are running around our house. And we don't remember how they got there. And they're there all the time. They won't leave. And I want them to. We are absolutely going through it when it comes to our kids right now. They are, they're, they're actually testing every ounce of faith that we have put together. Um, just to kind of give you uh, some specifics, I've got an 11-year-old who tries to act like the third parent in the house. And of all the ones that don't need to be acting like a parent who's got their own stuff, it's the 11-year-old. And I've got things I'm working on with him, and I'm like, bro, you need Jesus, you need some help. I'm here, you're driving me nuts, but I've, also, I've got him and all his stuff, but then he's, he's really, really used to helping his little brother. Well, guess what? Little brother's six now, and six-year-olds don't want big brother's help. They're kind, he's, Stratton's kind of becoming his own person. He doesn't want to be helped. He definitely doesn't want to be told what to do. And so brothers right now, they are at each other's throat. They're just, I mean, they are arguing practically all the time. And if that isn't enough, guess what else we have? Another kid. We have, we have little Miss Kate, who's about to be three. And all of my kids, it has never been the terrible twos. It's the terrible threes. If you're a parent here, would you raise your hand? Okay, so you understand what I'm about to say. With her, we're just dealing with that. That whole, what what I mean, that's what we're dealing with. And I'm telling you, it 
if you were to show up at our house at any moment, it's like there are bombs going off everywhere. I, I, I believe this. I think they all got together and they said, let's destroy them. Let's ruin their life. I know they gave us life. Let's ruin theirs. And it is, it has been brutal. And we're trying to do the right thing. In fact, I know we're doing the right thing. We're disciplining our kids. We're, we're having conversations. We're using physical discipline. Um, I had, um, this is kind of a rabbit trail, but give me just a second because I feel like you need to know this. I had the best idea the other day. Um, we, uh, I was off doing uh, errands for a men's night, got home late, and I walked in to a nuclear bomb at the house, right? And my wife's there by herself. She's been dealing with the boys. They're being hateful, saying things to each other. Kate's crazy, just crazy, acting nuts. And she's like, well, glad you got to go away because since you've been gone, blah, 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 blah. And the boys have just been whatever. And I don't know what came over me, but I, I, um, I, we have stairs at our house. And I went to the bottom of the stairs and I was like, boys, come here. And it got that quiet in the house. And I'm like, I love being a dad sometimes. <laughs> and they came to the top of the stairs and I could see it all on their face. And before I had the thought out of my mouth said, hey, you are done talking for the rest of the night. And I mean it, not another word. <laughs> and I could tell when they looked at me like, dad, it's six o'clock. We have two and a half more hours before we go to bed. It was the best thing that's ever happened in our home. If you need that idea, just take it. And if you want to implement it at 1 p.m. today, you're going to have a great day, let me tell you. I mean, they, they, we just did not allow, if you can't say something nice, you literally don't get to talk in my home anymore. And it was, exactly, you should love it. It's fantastic. That's a good, that's a reason to say amen. So this is where we've been. Not to mention, as a pastor, there happens to be this scripture hanging over our heads that says, if you can't keep your house in order, you're unfit to lead the church. So not only do I have the parenting thing, I just kind of got that conviction going on right now. And we're in the middle of it. And the truth is, I know we're doing the right thing. We're trying to take hold of our home we're disciplining our kids, but can I tell you the truth? We're not seeing the fruit of it quite yet. You ever been in this place before? Where you're standing on a promise, but you have yet to see the answer or the fruit. I'll even show you the scripture. This isn't a parenting message, but it's got a little bit of it in it. Proverbs chapter 22. This is a scripture I've, we stand on. A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness but physical discipline will drive it far away. All right, well, I can promise you the physical discipline is happening. But the foolishness is all up in there still. <laughs> it ain't even, I don't even feel like it's gone an inch away, much less far away. And we're, in, and we're at a crossroads, which many of you find yourself at by because you live a life of faith. And the crossroads is, I'm doing what you said, God, but I don't see the fruit and I don't see the answer yet. And, and, and I have to choose, will I stand firm 
Will I keep going? Will I keep trusting what your word says? Or will I hit the eject button? You know, sometimes we hit the eject button in different ways. Sometimes we just don't really think the word's working, so we try something else. We think maybe there's a better way. We begin to question if God, if his word is maybe even relevant or if it still works today or, or, or especially in the area of parenting, Lord, I know your word works, it just doesn't work on my kid. And we all find, our, we all find ourselves in places like this where we're, where, where we're standing for our healing and we haven't experienced it yet. We're believing for healing in a family member and we haven't seen it yet. We're believing for financial breakthrough but it hadn't happened to our bank account yet. We're believing for a relationship to come in and it's in this place of waiting and it's in this place of a trial and it's in this place where our faith gets tested that guess what happens? Unbelief starts to creep in. Weariness starts to creep in. You just get tired and wanna say, I am done. Anybody ever been here before? And it's in that place. <laughs> this is actually kind of comical. It's in that place that James goes, consider it pure joy. It's in that place. No fruit yet, no answer yet, no fulfillment yet. Consider it pure joy. How, God? How? I, I, you know, I, I didn't realize and see this until I was studying this out. As believers, we've kind of got it harder than other people. Because when we're going through a trial, we're not only experiencing the trial, I hope this makes sense, we're not just experiencing the trial, but we're actually experiencing the testing of our faith at the same time. So I'm wanting my kids, I'm wanting to enjoy being in my house again. And I want my kids to act better. And I want that to be fixed. But also over here, I'm, I'm in a place where like, where is my faith working? My faith sure is being tested right now because I don't see that working. And I don't see the fruit yet. Am I going to stand on this word? Am I going to stand in, in the presence of God, believing in Jesus? And we have this dynamic where it's a trial and it's the testing of our faith. It's a, it can be a complicated, hard situation, but there's actually a way for you to find joy. And what I've experienced in my life and what I've found through Scripture and honestly just through pursuing the Lord that the only way we begin to experience joy in the midst of our trials is when we know without a shadow of a doubt that what we, we are believing will come to pass. It's when we grab hold of the fact that, Lord, I may not see it yet, but I believe you with 100% of my being. When I, foolishness, it will get out of my kids. That financial breakthrough, it is on its way. That, that family member who doesn't know Jesus is gonna know Jesus. I am going to walk in the fullness of my calling. It will come to pass. Amen. And it's when we begin to tap into that and when we, when we actually begin to see that 
And, and the, the best way for me to say it is when that reality that we don't see yet, when, we, when that reality gets deposited into our soul, guess what the result is? Joy. It may stink right now. Oh, but I know it's going to get better. I'm convinced this is just a season. I'm convinced that it is only a matter of time before I see the promise come into my life. Amen. And it's getting to this place of faith that joy and thankfulness begins to pour out of our heart. Um, I'll give you an example to, to make, to, so this makes more sense. Me and Natalie have um, uh, an opportunity um, just for some financial breakthrough with some investments and some things that we have. And we've been wanting it to come to pass and it's just kind of taken longer than we've, we've wanted it to. And <clears throat> that's been frustrating at times. You know, we're just looking for things to happen and they haven't quite happened yet. But here I am and, and I'm, there's been t a ton of moments where I began to imagine what life would be like if this thing were to happen. I begin to imagine what our life would be like, how we could bless people, just all the things, you know, it just, I've just dreamed before. And one day I was dreaming and thinking about how it was going to be. I was like, oh man, this would be incredible if this happened. And I was like the Lord interrupted and said, Keith, that's going to happen. That's actually going to happen. And it's just one of those moments where I knew it was the Lord. And I was like, oh, oh, oh my gosh, it's gonna happen. It's gonna flip and happen. Like the very thing that I'm imagining right now is the life that I'm going to get to live. And, and, and I'll say it again, it's like the reality of that just sank down into my soul. And you know what my response was? Joy. And I began to be very, very thankful. I began to thank him. It was so real to me in the moment that I just began to thank him for it as if it had already happened. It's like, oh man, this is going to be sick. I can't wait for this. This is actually, thank you, Lord. Thank you that this is actually going to happen. See, you might be sitting here today and you might be, yeah, well, I actually, you might be thinking this, I actually haven't had that moment where God put that in my heart. You know, that, that, that's good, good for you, Keith. Like, I'm glad God gave you that word and it brought joy, but I'm actually not in that place. I'm in a situation and, and I'm doing everything I can to hold on to the belief that I have. I can't see it come to pass. I'm not experiencing the answer. So, so, so what do I do in order to get to that place? Oh, it's, it's actually a really, really easy answer. You do the same thing even if you did see it. You don't just thank God when you see the answer. You, you have to learn how to thank God for the answer before you ever see it. And you thanking God, this is what I really came to share with you today. We as believers, we have to get really, really good at thanking God in advance. You see, it's when we begin to thank God in advance that that belief and that reality actually begins to come to pass and actually begins to become a reality within our soul. 
Is this making any sense? You see, you, you, you may see it first and get joyful. Oh, but you may have to get joyful before you see it. You may have to thank him for it before it ever gets deposited into your soul. Here's how I know. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you know what you need. You know what we all need. We all need to hear ourselves thanking God for the answer before we ever see it. Because what will happen is when you begin to thank him before you see it, it'll actually begin to deposit faith in yourself. It'll begin to put deposit faith in your soul. Matthew, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 11. It is the scripture on faith. Remember, this is on the backside of Jesus walking with his disciples. <clears throat> they walk past the fig tree. Jesus goes to it. It doesn't have figs. He gets ticked. He curses the tree. They keep walking. They come back the next day, and it says that the fig tree had withered from the roots up. <clears throat> the disciples respond to this moment. They're like, Jesus, bro, wow, what? How? That was, that was the Keith and the whole translation, in case you were wondering. <clears throat> and here's what Jesus began to teach. Now, here's what I want you to hear today. These are the words of Jesus. They are read in your Bible. The color red is, is, is this scripture. This is not a word of faith teaching. This is not optimism. This is not Tony Robbins stuff. This is Jesus. And here's what he says. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it'll happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. And here's the verse I want us to grab a hold of today, verse 24. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it'll be yours. A prayer of faith actually looks like you believing you've received what you're praying for before you ever see it. As believers, Jesus is teaching us something. Faith looks like, but when you're praying, which here, here's, the, here's the truth, if you're praying for it, it's because you don't see it yet. And he's saying, as you're praying, begin to believe that you've received it before you have. Let me say it a different way you need to start thanking me in advance. One of the ways you believe that you've received it before you do is you actually begin to thank God in advance. Thank you, Lord, that you're gonna provide. Thank you, Lord, that I, <clears throat> that I am going to reach the call on my life. And you just begin to thank him in advance. Abraham, the father of our faith, you know, Scripture teaches a lot about him and, and his faith and the journey that he went on. You know the story. God comes down to Abraham and Sarah says, you're going to, and they say, hey, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. <clears throat> Abraham was old at the time. Sarah was old at the time. Did you know that it was 24 years before they ever had Isaac, their first son? So he, Isaac and Sarah, they had a promise and it took 24 years before it came to pass. Let's just think about that for just a moment. 
Like, God said you're the father of many nations. You know, it kind of would have been cool of God just to sprinkle in a couple of kids every five or six years. Like, Lord, that would have really helped me. Not one, not one kid until 24 years later. And look at what scripture says about Abraham, the father of our faith. This is Romans chapter four, verse 19. It says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. That is an amazing statement. He was so convinced by God's words. For 24 years, this is, okay, this is scripture, which means it's not a lie. This is absolute truth. When it says Abraham didn't waver, it means he didn't waver. I think if you look in the Greek, it means he didn't waver. Bad pastor joke, but true. He did not waver at the promise of God. But, But here's the next part, look. But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. I don't know if you see it. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. You know what Abraham did for those 24 years? He gave glory to God before he ever saw the promise. He was thanking God for 24 years. And guess what his thankfulness did? It gave him joy. And guess what his joy gave him? He was strengthened in the faith. Count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. For the testing of your faith leads to perseverance. Count it pure joy. You want to know how you find joy? Is you actually begin to thank God and see it in advance before it ever happens. And all of a sudden you get thankful. And all of a sudden joy comes. And when joy comes, guess what's right behind? Guess what's on the tail end of that joy? Strength. You'll get strong. You'll have the endurance to believe. I'll be honest, the thing that the opportunity me and Natalie have, you know what? Like when I saw it in that moment, it's actually kind of got easy to believe. I'm not waking up every day struggling to believe if it's going to happen. There's a strength there because I see it. There's a joy there because I see it. I think some of you need that joy today. I think some of you need that strength today. I'll close with a story. It's actually a Christmas, uh, kind of a Christmas story with it being around Christmas time. Uh, Many of you know we don't usually preach Christmas messages, so this is probably about the best you're going to get. You can go ahead and thank me right now in advance. But I was reminded as I was preparing, the Lord just kept reminding me of this message I preached years and years and years ago at at, uh, my old church in Amarillo. I did a study on the wise men in their journey to to Jesus. And kind of a cool fact for you, did you actually know there were, that the Bible doesn't teach that there were three wise men? Yep, you can take that with you. You're welcome. There were three gifts, but we don't know how many wise men there were. A little Christmas trivia. If you didn't get anything out of today, there you go. 
But these wise men, they were actually astrologers in Persia. They were very smart men. They studied the stars. What we don't realize is that the journey from Persia to Bethlehem was actually a three to four month journey. You know, I think we read scripture sometimes and we just kind of put it into our world and into our language. And we read about these wise men bringing Jesus gifts and we just think like, well, they probably just hopped in their car, threw some gold in the back and just right over there, two, two blocks away, gave Jesus his stuff and they were out. No, 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 no. When they saw the star, they packed up their belongings. They packed up enough provision for them to make this journey. And they set out, there and back, they set out on a six to eight month journey. Can we just stop right there and think about the faith that it took to move on a star? On a star. Not to mention they brought gifts. And, and, and it says they made this journey and they stopped in Jerusalem, which is right, right outside Bethlehem. They began to talk to King Herod, which is where we pick up in Matthew chapter two. And they're telling Herod about the star. And then it says they see the star again. And look at Matthew chapter two, verse 10. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. You know what's interesting that this scripture, about this scripture? It doesn't say when they saw Jesus, they rejoiced and were filled with joy. It says when they saw the star. You know what the star represents? It actually represents the promise. They rejoiced and they were filled with joy at the promise before they ever saw the answer. I would argue that their worship started the moment they loaded up their camels. The moment they decided to go, it was all a journey of worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to the word of God, knowing, oh, I know what that star represents. That's a promise of the Savior to come. We have stars all throughout scripture. There are promises all throughout this thing. And it's time as believers, we actually learn how to be filled with joy and begin to praise and thank him just simply at the promise. Oh, wow, Lord, as a tither, you will open up windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so much so I cannot contain it all. Can you imagine just reading that scripture and you just getting hyped up? Because you're so convinced. Oh my, I don't know how many windows there are in heaven, but there's gotta be a lot and there's probably a lot of money in there. And he's gonna pour it out on me because I'm a tither. He's gonna provide for me. He's gonna give me more than enough so I can be generous to the world around me. His kingdom is going to advance. We are going to see signs, wonders, and miracles in our church. Lord, thank you for that in advance. It will happen. It's just a matter of time. We're already seeing it. Oh, I'm going to get the direction that I need for my life. I'm going to get the answer that I need. I will enjoy my house again with my kids in it. Thanks for listening. 
We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com. 